Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. The truth of the matter is we were we were flat and we made no adjustments really in the game almost whatsoever. And uh, if you're going to call a spade a spade and say how it is, that's that's not good baseball. We got... We got wiped this series by the team on the other side of the field, and uh, there's there's no way we can walk out of this with any any positives, to be honest with you. And that's that's the truth. I mean, if I'm uh, rolling that up and trying to portray it any other way, I'm lying. My so my my, <laughs> my biggest takeaway here actually is that he has confirmed our suspicions, Rocco Baldelli, that he has been lying all these years when he's. You know, yeah. He's always like putting a positive spin on things. And you wonder, does he really believe what he's saying? Like you, you know, you get beat like ten to four. Although, in fairness, when they got beat ten to four a couple weeks ago, uh, but was it the Red Sox and they scored four runs late or something? And uh, Bally Sports North kind of asked, like, "Hey, you know, you got yeah. some momentum going late," and he shut and he did shut that narrative down. Yeah. So yeah. He's uh, he's but but he kept couching everything he was saying yesterday was like, if I'm going to be honest, if I'm going to if I'm going to say what really is happening, if I'm going to tell it like it is, it's like, oh, so you haven't been doing that. Well, and doesn't this also all all feed into what we've talked about? I mean, heck, at least going back to last season, if not the two years before that, of how much of this does he really control at all? Like that to me was a lashing out because I, I remember last year and this was actually in a good game or after a good game, as I recall, for the Twins. Do you guys recall there was a game where at Target Field, Joe Ryan had a no hitter and Rocco went and got him and got booed. Now mm-hmm. you can you can justify it. You can criticize it. That's not the point. But I finally asked him, I said, how does it feel to be the poster child for everything that's wrong with baseball? Because we know that this isn't all you. And he tried to, he asked me, can you say that again? And then he tried to dodge it a bit. But I mean, the culmination, I think, was yesterday. 
because like he is he is seen as the face of the problem right so many times pitching pitchers being lifted um until this season the now bats that are just anemic I feel like Rocco is deemed okay that this is Baldelli 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 and what I sensed yesterday was finally uh a pushback a pushback of that was really bad baseball. And I would like to not be completely associated with being at fault for that baseball. But what do you think he's pushing back against? Do you think, we, and we talked about this with Royce a little bit, if you want even more Twins talk here on this this uh, reckless speculation. I guess the reckless speculation here for this discussion is like, what will the changes be? But we'll get yeah. to some of that. What do you yeah. think he's pushing back at? Because he brings up that we've got these guys with track records. He's clearly referring to Carlos Correa as one of them and they're not performing, is he pushing back at veteran baseball players, talented baseball players for not doing what they're supposed to do? Is he pushing back at the front office for not making more drastic changes when he's got a bunch of strikeout fiends on his lineup card? Like, what what do you think he's pushing back at? Well, I think he's pushing back at multiple things. One is, yes, in the case of a Correa, I think that's a frustration because he's been around for a long time. And he has been at the plate absolutely, for the most part, terrible. And it's now three months, too. So, like, you can't claim small sample size. He's going to come. I mean, how many, you know, he has a bad April. We hear, hey, Carlos might come around in May. He has a bad May. We hear, well, look at his stats in June. Ladies and gentlemen, we're about to see. And you know what? Now it's July 1st, just about. But I think he's also pushing back against what is no question. And I think this is, if Popkins doesn't get fired, I think this is why. There is no doubt that the, their approach at the plate is a philosophical viewpoint of what they're supposed to do. When Royce Lewis comes out and says, I told the hitting coach that I'm going to go back to the fundamentals of what I do best, that is a clear shot of it's it's just like last year when we heard pitchers say things like, I decided that I was going to pitch my game, which Devin Smelter, I mean, Devin Bleep and Smelter said, and he actually had a good game that game. Yeah. Um, but I think Rocco is pushing back against what is no question about it, a very what has now become very quickly, unfortunately, I guess, an outdated approach. Launch angle, hit home runs, go up there with the philosophy of trying to do exactly that. Um, and and again, we don't know that this to me is the most interesting part. Rocco Baldelli replaced Molitor because, and I'm sure Paul had faults, so I'm not absolving him completely. But Paul Molitor had definite ideas of how baseball should, uh, should be played. And mm-hmm. I think he was open to listening to analytics and advanced metrics. But I also think he was not open to dumb baseball decisions and dumb baseball philosophy. Yeah, Ro- Rocco Baldelli got this job off the bench of the Tampa Bay Rays in part because he was going to go along part and parcel with what he was told was going to be the approach, right? Well, at some point in time, Phil, we're now what? 2019, 2021, 20, 22. So we're four plus years in, and the last three years have not been great fun. And he takes the blame. Falvey, high, I mean, yes, he gets criticized, but I don't think people understand how high up the philosophy on what the twins are doing comes from. And Rocco Baldelli is the guy every day who has to answer questions. And I'm sorry, at some point in time, every human being is going to reach a breaking point of saying, this isn't all me. And I think that's his breaking point. Yeah, I, I I, just, I think, but he's, is he not pushing back over three years? Like, it's so hard to know because the Twins never, uh-huh. the Twins always have, they've got like this sort of PR glossed way of communicating with the public and the media. 
And that's what was so jarring yesterday about Rocco's comments is he was breaking that fourth wall for the mm-hmm. for the like the first time at length anyways that I can remember. I mean, it's the most frustrated he's been, but there's been other opportunities two years ago, three years ago. This is not just a, a three month problem here where the twins are kind of flailing and underachieving and not living up to expectations. It's just kind of interesting that it it took halfway through the third year of this dreck for him to finally be like, damn it, enough. Something needs to change here, either with the $35 million shortstop or the you know the, the guy that has three RBIs on non-home runs, Joey Gallo, one of the great Joey Gallo stats. So, Declan, what, what do you make of it here? You're just as frustrated as any of us as a former season ticket holder. That's right. Uh I think from the Rocco side of things, if uh, if you're making you know a pie chart of frustration, which he is obviously pissed, I think the biggest chunk of that pie does go on the players that he is managing right now. I don't think the biggest chunk of the pie goes either to the coaching staff on you know with with, with Popkins. I don't think the biggest chunk of pie is to the front office and Falvey and Levine. I think he's mostly upset at the players for not coming through. They basically have ran this back. I mean, if you look at the statistics. Since June 1st for Buxton, Correa, Gallo, it is embarrassingly bad. It's not just, hey, you know, some guys fight through some things. This is a month stretch where you were in first place since April 12th. By the way, you're now out of first place. Your three three of some of the biggest hitters in your lineup are unplayably bad, and it doesn't look like they have made any type of adjustments to get better. So I, I think he's, his frustration mostly lies with the players, but I do appreciate this version of Rocco who is mostly very almost calculated in a robotic way, which is uh, very annoying sometimes. But now, you know, the he, he's, he's kind of become a real human here. He's upset yeah. and rightfully so. So I kind of like to see that too. You bring up Popkins' name. Can we do the, can we do the Popkins conversation here for just a minute? Yeah. Just, just quick, quickly on Declan's point, though. I do think part of the problem here is that Rocco hasn't, for the last three years, been pushed on this more on a daily basis. By, by what? fans, media, by, yeah, by reporters. Like I, I think that if I covered this team, just about every chance where you suspect something that goes wrong might not be solely on on him. I think you should ask about it. Like get, he finds that get him to be more open and honest as much as you well, can. Well, and right? also what is to be what like, is the truth of what's happening? Well, and also to explain to him, you are seen as the problem, dude. You're seen as as really in some ways a bad baseball guy. Are you? And and when every press conference is opened by the local affiliate trying to give him a spin to get out of it, yeah. and he knows, I'm guessing he got a talking to yesterday. But I mean, seriously, and I don't even What's fault the silver Audra. lining? <laughs> I don't even fault her. I'm sure she's told to, okay? So she, I'm not yeah. even faulting her. But my point is, you know, if he had had somebody more frequently starting around, what, circa 2021, start to say, that was a really weird, is, is that you? You know, I, I think that's where he's the type of guy, I think, that needs to be pushed to the brink. Unfortunately, his players had to do it. Yeah, well, and it's like, I mean, operationally, this isn't working. Right. Is it fair to say that now that it's the yes. Bomba squad was great and we sometimes we do this with Minnesota teams or especially the Twins or it's like, well, things used to be great. So I, you know, in 1991, right, they win the World Series 87 and then and then but things are it's like 95, 96, 97. Like, no, it's that was a long time ago now. <laughs> yes. There are problems to be addressed. 
but the 2002, the 2006, the th- and then and then we got into like 2011, 12, 13. It's like every year you get further away from when it worked. And in 2019, based on the baseball being juiced, I can go back and find you statistics, by the way, across the league that show like <clears throat> um, like 16% of fly balls were home runs back in 2019, and now it's 12%. Yeah. Not, not because hitters forgot how to hit or because pitchers got that much better. It's because the ball's different. And so, like, the league is different. The roster's different. We, you can't keep saying, but the, but 2019, but two, 2020, which was a pandemic-shortened season, too. The last three years, 2021, 22, 23, in a division in which there have been collectively, in those three years, two teams that have finished above 500, and I'm including this year because there are no teams above 500 in the division, right? And you are making moves, you're trading, you're signing players in free agency to try and win the division and win in the playoffs and you are 24 games under 500 over those three years. Operationally, this isn't working. And to your point, Judd, Rocco is seen as a huge part of that operation. And I think yesterday was an example of him kind of saying, like kind of feeling the weight of the last three years, not just this three months, but the weight of the last three years and kind of saying like, it was almost like he was fighting to get out of the phone booth Saying like, "Hey, I'm not alone here. Okay, there are other uh, stakeholders that that exactly. need to be in this room with me." Exactly. He. It felt like Wednesday. He escaped from the clutches of his captors, got out the front door, and yelled, <laughs> "Help me! Oh my God, Help me! I've been here for three years. Like I've the, been in the basement." Is it? Is it the Brie Larson movie, The Room? I forget if it's Brie Larson who's in it, but she's trapped in that room forever. She's like raising that kid. That's Rocco. He's trapped in this room. He's trapped in the basement. <laughs> oh, God. God. oh, God. Oh, God. It's crazy. Yes. That's what it felt like. <laughs> and part, and to me, like just the Popkins thing for a second, because, yeah. you know, they have, so they have a day off today, right? And then it's Orioles for, for the weekend. So they've got some time to take a deep breath and maybe make some moves. Maybe there's a personnel move here or there, but. The easiest move to make when your offense can't string together any hits, they've got one way to score runs, and it's pray for home runs, is to just fire the hitting coach. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like David Popkins, of course you're going to say yes to that job, right? You're a major league hitting coach, man. Like, why would you ever turn that job down? But that was such an arrogant hire. And there are times, and it, 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 you don't look up and down the list of hitting coaches in baseball and see a bunch of, like, Hall of Famers, you know. You're not going to see David Ortiz as a major league hitting coach very often. You're not going to – very rarely he might do not see, be good. Right. Yeah. Like, Ted Williams is one of the worst managers in baseball history because he was, like, poking guys in the batting cage. Why can't you hit like me? I don't know. Because you're why can't you read the baseball as it's coming towards home plate? <laughs> right. You can't, you can't read Rawlings letter by letter as it's spinning at you. So I will preface this by saying there are a lot of unorthodox or non-household name hitting coaches. Most of them are. Yes. But David Popkins is 33 years old. He was like 32 or 31 when they hired him. I'd have to go back. But he's currently 33 years old. He's one of the youngest hitting coaches probably of the last 5, 10 years in Major League Baseball. His playing career, I think, peaked at double A. Uh, but as a as a manager or a coach, like he has no experience at all in the higher levels of the minor leagues, or in the he basically what I'm saying is as a player or a coach, he has come nowhere near a major league 
clubhouse for a full season or chunks, right? Mm-hmm. And so now we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna storm the clubhouse, and we need big changes. Let's fire the hitting coach, right? And I would ask, okay, operationally, you've got one of the thirty major league baseball franchises in the world. You've got resources. I know they don't have Yankees resources, but the Twins spend a lot of money on behind the scenes people and systems and technology and stuff way more than ten years ago. They do. They spend a lot of money on that stuff. And you're telling me one of the most prestigious baseball coaching jobs in the world, which a major league hitting coach job is. Now, you're not making, like, millions, but, like, you're making well into the six figures. It is a prestigious, great stepping stone job that this was the hire. So I'm not even blaming him. Operationally, I'm saying, and go look at the team that just kicked your ass for three days. The uh, Atlanta Braves hitting coach is Kevin Seitzer. Former who played yep, all-star, Royals, played 12 yeah. years in the major leagues. He got MVP votes in 1987. Uh, he was a two-time all-star, got MVP votes. He was, like, nowhere near a Hall of Famer, but he was just a good major league player who batted just a shade under 300 for his 12-year career. He drew a lot of walks. He got on base. He didn't strike out much. He's in his 50s. When Kevin Seitzer walks up to a batting cage before a game or into a clubhouse, he yep. carries all of that credibility. Even other guys, like the Astros, Alex Cintrone is their major league hitting coach. Alex Cintrone wasn't a great hitter, but he played a decade in the major leagues. There's a, like, there is a human element here. If, if I am trying to learn my craft as a podcaster or something, do I want someone to come in the room who's literally never done it at all whatsoever at a high level? It could, could be a great idea. I don't know. Like and even like the Mar- so Luis Arise is hitting 400 with the Marlins. So you get Brant Brown played six years in the major leagues, hit 50 home runs, had a 15 home run season with the Cubs. Like, well, he's a credible former major league player who is giving you advice in the batting cage. That matters to me. Brant Brown. So you bring up a really in- interesting point that I hadn't thought of until last night, and it's this: as good as he was here, would Luis Arise be hitting 400 approximately if he were still here? No, I don't. I think he'd probably be about 330, which is damn good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, you, but, you take it, yeah. But the point is, and, and that's where, and Phil, we have both talked to different people about this, but I, I believe that we have both experienced this, being told that, and this is not a Rocco, this is not start with Baldelli, but being told that the baseball operation starting at the very top, there is an arrogance. There is an arrogance of we know exactly what we're doing. Oh, oh no, no, no. We don't need your help. We've got this. Yep. And and we've both been told by independent people who probably never talked or have met. So this is not like uh, there's three people out to get, uh, you know, Falvey, Levine, possibly. This is independent people. And one thing that confirms it to me is very simple. The unwillingness to ever admit that you were just wrong. The unwillingness to say, well, we gave that a try, but it didn't work. I I mean, the justification on Emilio Pagan, who could have just been let go after a miserable 2022, right? The absolute justification of, we can fix this. And then the apologist being like, well, if you really look at it, you know, if I torture Pagan's stats, I can prove to you. Like, doesn't common. Those people exist. I know they do. I've seen them on Twitter. But doesn't but doesn't <laughs> Emilio Pagan sort of stand as a symbol of, you know, it didn't work. His name is really in the toilet here in particular. Um, it's probably just best to not tender him, bring him back. Yeah. 
Um, well, but, but to bring him back is the ultimate. The, the, hey, in the in the face of all results, and right. I understand that in baseball sometimes you have to play the process and not the results in baseball, and and the same is true for other sports. And sure. you know me, like I'm an analytics nerd at heart, so I will fight you on. Hey, no, the process is working. I mean, I fought you on Griffin Jacks, and I I think I was right. Like Griffin Jacks is back to being a pretty good relief pitcher, mm-hmm. but if you're telling me over three or four years that no, 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 no. I know he's given up more home runs by a mile than any other relief pitcher in baseball the last three years, which is right. a fact, by the way, that that result is wrong and the process will straighten itself out at some point. If he was 23 years old or something, or if it was a smaller sample, okay, all right, I guess we'll see. How much more evidence do you need? And the Joey Gallo thing too, because I've seen a couple, I've seen another narrative is like, hey, be patient. Remember the 2006 Twins that they were supposed to be good and then they started off bad, but if you just give them the full season, they straighten it out? That is revisionist history. The 2006 Twins made huge changes in June. They were yes. they were like eight games under 500. Yes. And the 2006 Twins said, we're going to scrap the entire left side of our starting infield. Tony Batista, gone. Juan Castro, benched. And we're gonna we're gonna literally start over with fifty percent of our infield and go from there. And Nick Punta was a spark, and Jason Bartlett was a spark, and then Justin Morneau got woken up. You know, you needed a bunch of things to happen, and so it's not as simple as just well, just let it all play out and be patient. It, like jo- Joey Gallo, and I love the I, he's a super fun player well, you're to Joey watch. Gallo sometimes, apologist, like, or you were at least last year when Declan killed him. But it's not working. Like, it's okay. It, you not tried something. Out. It's clearly right. not working. He's not giving you any value right. outside of like the once a week he hits a home run. So, but again, stubbornness. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. And so you you just hit on to me what, what's one of the most important things, and it's where you walk the tightrope between judging humans and, and using advanced metrics to improve your team. And it's this: 2006. What also happened when huge changes were made? The light bulb went off, and guys were like, "I mean, the any sports season is long and grueling, and you can fall into habits, and you can certainly fall into well, we're just not that good. We can't hit." But if you make a move, because, you know, across the board, some players in sports are very, very smart. So I don't need mean to stereotype them as a whole. But some guys are just dudes that if they get woken up, it's like, oh, my God, they just, you know, got rid of Gallo and Kepler or Popkins got fired. You just need to make change sometime, if nothing else, for change sake, because that snaps something in. And, like, that's where I feel like, like the Falvey regime now is so based upon one principle that you don't have a common sense side of this isn't working and we're actually making it worse. Like, has there been any attempt to wake anybody up so far? And I think that's probably where Rocco also got to yesterday. Got to do something here. We have to do something. I mean, that was a plea to everyone to get your act together because that series, when you're 0 for 23 with guys in scoring position, against the Braves and the Braves are good. That's fine. But you also score three runs 
And by the way, if I'm not mistaken, two of the three starters who started against the Twins were not exactly Cy Young. The, the one guy yesterday came off the 60-day DL to pitch. We love so, to paint it that way, though. Oh, that guy was really throwing the ball Colby well today. All- Colby Allard, was it? Had yeah. just come off the 60-day DL, and he struck out eight guys, and they struck yeah. out 14 times. So, again, <laughs> it's so just you've fallen into this complete rut, and nobody's doing anything to try and stop it. And I think that's probably partially what Baldelli was appealing to because he did play the game. So I, I haven't seen the 2006 comparison, but I, I think this, I think to even suggest that is absolutely ludicrous. Uh, the 2006 team obviously loaded with a Cy Young winner, a batting champ, an inevitable MVP. I know Morneau wasn't playing up to an MVP level the first two months of the season. Yeah. Plus gold glove, center field, uh, gold glove center fielder, gold glove catcher, and the Central Division that year. I just looked this up. Three teams finished with 90 wins in that Central Division. And in fact, the, Tiger, the Tigers went to the World Series. The Tigers Series went year. to the World Series. Of all 30 teams that year, of the six best winning percentages, three of them came in the AL Central. So, like, to, to suggest that, that this is 2006 uh, is the same thing. It's not even close. Well, uh, it's the hopeful. It's the hopeful nature, right? Yeah. That, like, well, just hey, it's a long season. Let it play out. And sometimes there's a place in baseball to let it play out. I don't think that's what we're looking at here with this team. Well, that's, that's what I want to emphasize. And what more do you need than the normally very subdued and sedate manager to go off? Yep. Like, if you're not saying now okay, there's trouble here, then you just don't pay attention. And think about this, too. It's For a while, they had kind of a cushion. It's a bad division. They were still like, you know, excuse me, three, four, five games above 500. Yeah, we're kind of going through it right now, but we'll figure it out. Well, you've just reached the halfway point of the season. You're about to go into July. Cleveland just passed you, and you've got one of the best teams in baseball so far this season up next on your schedule. So if you don't watch out, you could very easily lose two out of three or get swept if you don't snap out of it this weekend. And then uh, you play that that you play that same team, by the way, at home uh, next weekend. So you have six games against Baltimore. You do get the three against Kansas City, but you have the six games against Baltimore in the next nine games. Like if that team takes you to the woodshed a few times, thank God you have Kansas City and Oakland built yep. in also in the next two weeks. Because yep. this would be... This is a really ripe time for the Twins to like lose eight out of ten games or something and be six games under five hundred, but the Royals exist. So coming up next, the Twins get on track against the Royals, two of three. Rocco, have you turned it all around now? I mean, this feels like a championship ball club, right? (laughs) Seattle too is not. Seattle's kind of struggling, but they have a four game. I'm just looking at the rest of July. A four gamer at Seattle, and that team is probably better than their record so far this year. You get them a couple times, but you're kind of, you're kind of lucky cuz you get you get the Royals twice in the next month. You get the the Walking Dead White Sox. You get the A's and then you get a three-gamer also against St. Louis and they're the worst team in their division. So your your schedule is actually really favorable over the next month. Well, and to their credit completely, their starting pitchers have been pretty damn good. Really yeah. damn good. That's the thing that's that's the thing that would drive me crazy is you finally not only got a stabilized rotation, right? But clearly got the okay to allow these guys to pitch deeper into games. They have for the most part come through and you just can't hit. And you run the bases like you're fools. Like seriously, they they always they disintegrate into dumb baseball quicker than 
any team I've seen. Like the last couple of years, they disintegrate into doing stupid things. Yeah. And I'm not talking about strikeouts. I'm talking about fielding at times, which I thought was actually solidified in April. And, and then I think it was Provis on CCO in May, m- mid-May or so, said that it actually had started to come apart. Yeah. A- and the infield metrics had declined a lot. And I mean, the base running of late, come on. You know, had they used to be over 10 years ago now, but they used to be such a great fundamentally sound team. Yeah. You you were kind of mad that they didn't hit for more power. They always, they, they were always kind of missing that real middle of the order bat until Jim Tomey came along and, and they had Morno and stuff, but they always were like one bat away on the power department. But man, like when you, when it came down to, Hey, there's a leadoff double and you got to find a way to get that guy in. It felt like for a long time, the twins were great at that. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, leadoff double. Well, that guy's going to be at third base in about 30 seconds, and then you're going to get two cracks to yep. drive him in from third. And now the Twins literally have a guy in their everyday lineup who has 800 career major league plate appearances over nine years, Joey Gallo, and he has three career sacrifice flies. Three career sacrifice flies, yeah. and he's a home, he's a home run hitter. So like he can either only hit a home run or like there's. He's the it's just my swing bro guy in softball. Yeah, he's hey man, we player. just need a we just need a fly ball to the gap, man. Like that's all we need. Oh, can't help it. He oh. is 2019 personified. Like like it's like back to the future, and we've taken the DeLorean back to 2019 and made Gallo a twin. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not working. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't. Do you guys have any other just thoughts here before we? This is a good therapy session. This, well, this was this felt pretty good. Bravo, Rocco. Bravo for finally. I know it took a long time, but good for you because everything that you said was on point. And we now know if there are no changes, at least roster-wise, made by first pitch Friday in Baltimore, it ain't Rocco who said don't make those changes. He's putting blame where blame belongs, and it's your move. It's your move, Derek. And more importantly, it might be nice if the poll ads like – simply turned on the lights and looked around at what's going on here. Or at least we knew that. I can never tell with that family, man. They're just, they're so passive. And But Phil, you said it yourself. The investment now, and I, I know that it's not fun to talk about or it's certainly not sexy, but like to your point, what they've invested in coaching and, and like all of the technologies at Target Field and in Fort Myers, right? Yeah. Like, well, that's that's the thing. Like, wake I, up, people are. David Popkins is a figurehead for an organizational problem here, correct? Or for or for player failure, because I'm sure the organization would put it on the players and say, "What the you know, Carlos Correa, you've been hitting 280 to 300 with power and whatever your whole career." And then the players might say, and I don't know this, but the players might say, "Well, or maybe we're not getting the help that we need." on a day-to-day basis, or maybe we're not getting the information we need. I'm sure if you ask both sides, there's a, it's not just like, oh, dumb luck that they're that they're performing like this. And I'll go back to my question. If you had if you had one of the 30 Major League franchises and you could scour the earth for former Major League players who can communicate well, former, you know, even like high-level minor league coaches, like guys who've been around the block and understand the blend of human element and analytics – you get your pick of the litter, and you're going to spend like a good chunk of money on this hire. That's the hire. Well, that's the hire because he's, he's going to spew the company line that, to your point, starts in the minor leagues. 
Like they don't want anyone who's going to go away from the company line. And that's the problem is the company line does not work. The perfect example goes back to last year. If you guys recall on, on a scoop session, um, and I think that this guy's hurt now because he's been hurt a ton since they got him in the Brioles trade. Austin Martin was having a terrible year at double A, I believe. Yeah. And Doogie said they're working on a swing. They want to change a swing. They want to generate more power. And I was skeptical. I'm like, so this guy went from being really a top prospect to now flaming on base, out to a, on base machine yeah. to a large degree. And Doogie's like, yeah, but it's their philosophy. Well, I think what Royce Lewis said last Sunday in Detroit is incredibly telling of what happens when you mess with people. Like there, there comes a point in time where I think you need to let, unless there's just a huge flaw, you need to let a player be a player, and and they see them as robots. So Austin Martin, it's a great example, and he, and there's been some injury stuff. In fact, I think he's 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 played like five games all year. Yeah, he's been hurt this year again. So we'll see where he's at, but he's now he's 24 years old. But uh, you know, at Vanderbilt, he wasn't a home run hitter. He was a he was a hitting machine who got on base. So here, here are his SEC college numbers, for instance. As a 19-year-old sophomore, he batted 338 with a 452 on on-base percentage, one home run, so mostly singles. And you probably need it in today's baseball. You probably do need a little bit more than singles, but. Sure. And then his, uh, his junior year, or his, I guess maybe it was his sophomore year, his, third, his second year of the three years he played at Vanderbilt. 392 with a yep. 486 on base percentage, 10 home runs. So it wasn't exactly a little bit more power. And then his last year, uh, he got, he only played 16 games, I think, because of injury. Um, only hit three home runs in the 69 plate appearances. And even like early minor leagues, he's never been, he's been a, a guy who's going to flirt with 300 and get on. He's like Luis Arise. Like that's who he is. He's a, He's right. going to make contact. He's need. going to draw a bunch of walks and get on base, and he's not going to hit for much power. He's he's going to steal some bases. And if it were just sort of that, that's a, you know, it's funny and ironic. They tried to change that, apparently. That's exactly what they need right now. But it's, but it's <laughs> not their philosophy. That's that's what's completely screwed up about this. Yeah. Now, and whatever they've done, he has not. So he has now, let's see, in the two seasons he's played in the minor leagues for the Twins-ish, he has come to the plate like 430 times. If you want to include fall league, let's call it 530 times. He has four home runs. So he's not a home run hitter. Right. So either you traded for something that you thought was different, or right. you just, just let, let, the, let the guy be who he is and see what happens, man. He, he was the fifth overall pick. Not Both by pros- you, by the way, by a different organization. Both prospects they got in the Brios trade have regressed. Yeah, uh, Woods Richardson was yes. the one, right? Yes, another, and that's another weird thing of how they don't develop pitching. Because oh. you got to wonder if it's when they get them in the system, if they try and change things much. I would guess that when they acquire guys in trades, they're a little bit more sure of what they do. Yep. So, all right, well, we'll see what they do here over the weekend as the Orioles change. wait on the East Coast. Um if you guys could, if you if you agree with this Twins Therapy, if you could give the Scorn Earth YouTube channel a subscribe click and a like click, and if you could give on Apple Podcasts, Minnesota Sports with Mackie and Judd, a five-star rating and a positive review, we can help grow this thing that we're building at Score North here. So, all right, Twins, wake up. I'm the, I'm the meme, like, poking the Twins with a stick right now. Do something. Do something. See you guys.